Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to the hottest talk radio show around. Providing an open discussion for some of the most important social issues and trending topics today. From personal growth or spirituality to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So prepare to be empowered, enlightened, and entertained during another episode of the award-winning Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Real people, real topics, real talk. Thanks for tuning in. It is January the 15th, Tuesday. January the 15th, I'm going to call this, this is Tasty Tuesday. I'm going to start naming my shows Tasty Tuesday. I smell something cooking really good in the kitchen. So I'm thankful that everybody's here. Uh, we have a good show for you tonight. We have Miss Karen Beth Ford, who is a financial coach, who's going to come and talk to us about money matters, how to um, cut down on our debt. You know, Christmas just passed. I know everybody. I know I did. Um, went out of their ways and spent a lot of money that they probably didn't plan on spending. Um, she's going to come and talk to us about how we can cut down on our debt. Um, and for the chat, I have my girl, Miss Paula B., who is here. We have not talked online and probably since last when the Facebook show ended. I think that was in June. So she's going to come here. We're going to chat it up about a couple things that um, – we have planned for the new year, a couple of things that's going on in the, in the news, um, and also some things that, you know, we talked about. We had a meeting over the weekend, and we got into some, some good conversations, so I told her we were going to put those on pause at her house, and then we're going to talk about them here live on the show. So when we come back from this break, my girl Paula B. is going to be here with me live on the radio. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the Lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Say something now. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Okay, I was talking to my girl Paula B. online. We're going to see if she's here, if she is on today. Hey, Paula. Hey. How are you, boo? I'm doing well, boo. How are you? Oh, let me tell you, I love that Tasty Tuesday. You love, this is Tasty Tuesdays. Yeah, I'm going to start naming the show. Yeah, it's Tasty Tuesday. Yeah, I saw what you cooked. You had salmon and spinach. 
Oh, yes. And I had sauteed. It was, everything's fresh. So it was fresh spinach, um, fresh garlic, onions, a little olive oil, a little butter mixed in, and a little salt and pepper. It was, like, awesome. And then I put it on, t- of course, the juices from the salmon because the salmon was already pre-seasoned. Then I put right. the um, spinach on top of it. It was, like, divine and so healthy. Yeah. Now, how is it that we've known each other, what, two years? And I didn't know that you can really cook. I didn't know you could cook. Yeah, it's more than two years. Is this something that we're learning in our, in our, what, our, our do me time? Yes. I, well, I, I used to love to cook. But I cook so much. But I, um, people love my macaroni cheese, my sweet potatoes. I make great lasagna. I make great spaghetti sauce. I don't know how to fry chicken. I know how to fry chicken, the little wingette things. I don't know how to fry chicken at all. I can't do it. But what, I what, make what, um, what, a lot of great dishes. Huh? What is the thing with fried chicken? I, I don't understand. I I don't. I, my mom, I, I just can't fry it. It's just, um, I don't know. <laughs> do, just do you undercook it or overcook it? Probably like a little bit of both. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Thank God for farm fresh and farm fresh is here. I can do yeah. the size, but yes, honey. But that oh. frying of that chicken, I can't do it. Like, I like sausage and onions and peppers. I like stuff like that. Um, I was trying to make you a seafood macaroni and cheese, but you opted not to have well, it. You know, I'm, I'm basic. I'm real basic. I'm real basic. I know. Macaroni and cheese, that would have been perfect. Seafood, which is what um, which is what Justin's cooking tonight, perfect. But macaroni and seafood? That just it just my mind can't register. You know I'm very basic, very basic. It doesn't take much. I know you're very basic when it's cooking. Like, what you cook, right, what like you prepare, the chicken foods. salad was good. Yeah, the chicken salad was great. I have more mm-hmm. of that, but I like different foods. Like I like I'll like try almost anything once. I like mm-hmm. different foods from different cultures. I I'm wondering if were you, were you raised that way, your mom to try different things? Because I wasn't. I, yes, I wonder I was. if that has. A, I, I was, okay. and I had an aunt. Um, she was, um, um, I remember, I think I told you about my auntie Phil. She was a vice president of one of the largest banks, one of the vice presidents of one of the largest banks yeah. in Connecticut, which is connect Right. So she introduced me to my palate to a lot of things as well. Um, my mm. mom, my brother, uh, my youngest brother, Mark, he's the same way. He, We like trying different things. Um, I, I mean, it's great for the palate. And, um, right. of course, you know, I love fine dining, but I'll go – to a hole in the wall, all the way up to fine dining. Um, that's that's what I like. Mm, I think okay. it's awesome to try different things. Okay. Well, maybe maybe you ought to take me slow. I would like this year to be a year of first for me. So um, I know I can't for health reasons. I can't do sushi unless it's cooked. Um, but that's going right. to be my excuse for sushi. I don't think I have any desire to taste that. But I'm willing. I'll, I'll try your seafood macaroni and cheese. I'll try that. Well, you know they have cooked sushi. Huh? But I thought that's something else. I thought sushi in the true sense of the word was raw. That's not true? That is true. I mean, yes, in the true sense of the word, it is raw. I mean, I have tried raw sushi as well. You know, it's an acquired taste. I do like it. Um, I have tried alligator, chocolate-covered hands. I've tried like a whole, yes, (laughs) I've tried like a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, I love okay. experimenting. All right, all right. Well, going through things, you know, we were talking about at your house a couple of things that we said we were going to carry over the discussion that was so good. We, when we get together, we have such good conversations. Um, we do. Uh, we're going to get to some of those that we talked about. But first, I was going through, um, today I was watching TV, and New York is actually getting ready to pass a bill. They're going to vote on it this weekend, I think Friday. It's called the right to disconnect. Um, And it's basically because people who have jobs where they receive phone calls, texts, emails, you know, even when they're off, when they're trying to spend time with their family, you know, taking care of self-care that we always talk about. And they're expected to respond. They're expected to, you know, basically there is no true off time. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to pass a law that after you leave work, you don't have to reply. You don't have to check emails. And your, your your employer can't do anything. They can't penalize you. 
you can't get any type of um, retaliation on them, or they can be fined from $500 to $1,000. So it's going to really give the employee an opportunity to, for themselves, depend, you know, decide, is this more important than me spending time with my family or doing whatever I'm doing right now? So basically, you only work when you're supposed to work. I want to know how you feel about that. I don't know if your job is one that follows you home or when you when you leave work, does it, do you leave work? Well, how ironic is this that you brought this up? Because literally on Sunday, I got a call from one of my employees. I, I She called me once. I didn't answer because I was in the midst of something else. And, you know, I tried to wean them off of me, call me on the weekends. It's just called, we have an attendance line that you can call. But she mm-hmm. called a second time. So I I answered. Um but I am so glad I did answer because she was having a terrible time and she was in tears. So I was able to um, talk to her and get her through what it was that she was going through Um, because sometimes, you know, outside of work, if your employees don't have anybody to talk to, I mean, she called me to ask me to, because she was going through so much, if she could have Monday off. But because she was crying so hard, I couldn't understand a word she was saying. I began mm-hmm. to talk to her um, and calm her down and get the gist of what was going on. And then she began to feel better, which made me feel better that I was there for her to assist her when she, in her time of need. And she really needed to, to talk to someone. So um, I'm going to agree that, yes, we we do need time away from our employees um, in our job because it, it, it gets cumbersome. You get tired, you get worn down. And on the right. weekends, you want to be able to do what you want to do when you get ready. But again, for those moments, you know, which was needed and wanted, and um, it, it, it was a great result after the conversation. But I believe that we should have our weekends to ourselves and we should not be bothered. But there's some jobs that are 24-7. What are they going to do with that? Or if yeah, you're on call, like sometimes. Yeah, like if you're on call or if you're you're um, like firefighters or I think probably in your during your interview, it should be made known whether you need to be on call or, you know, your, your job requires that you check emails or whatever. It shouldn't be anything that they just add on after you've been employed, a new duty, and you have no say in it. Because some people work multiple well, jobs. all the time. Yeah. And so some people work multiple jobs, and, you know, this might impede on something else that they're trying to do or that they're doing. Uh, so I, I hope it, this is, so far, it's only in New York, um, but it's an, it will become a law in New York, the right to disconnect. So Hopefully, if it does pass, it'll pick up in other states. I don't know if it's going to pick up in Virginia. Things that Virginia is usually one of the last states to get on board with some the, things. Yeah, mm, the yeah. absolute last. Mm-hmm. So let's talk and about I, I think relationships. That's great. Go ahead. Yeah. We're talking about relationships. relationships. Yeah, I have a question. So, okay, so I have a question. So when you're in a relationship, we're going to say a committed relationship or you're, you're seriously seeing somebody dating or whatever, um, and it's mm-hmm. a situation where one person is like on social media. They're the person who's all, always um, people like them. They have a good personality. Somebody like you, pretty much. You know, you're a people person. You like to entertain. Mm-hmm. You like to be up there. Um, do you think it's right? Any type of flirting, any type of provocative um, behavior, um, especially like when you're on Facebook, maybe. Um, like liking pictures, especially provocative pictures that are on um, Facebook. If you're dating somebody, do you think it's disrespectful and that you shouldn't do this if you're in a committed relationship? Um, And how do you feel about friend requests? Do you think that um, if you're in a relationship and somebody sends you a friend request and you know this person, you know, doesn't really have the best of intentions, do you think it should be um, understood that you won't accept friend friend requests? From people, unless it's you know business related or a past friend from school or whatever, something like that. Some something that you know is purely platonic. How do you feel about that? Well, um, <laughs> for me, I, I mean, if if I'm answering your understanding your question correctly, 
I'm not if I'm in a monogamous relationship and and if somebody sends me a friend request like it was my ex boyfriend and I know you still have feelings for me or I know that you were trying to flirt with me and trying to get with me and I send you a friend request, I'm not going to do that. Um, you're not going to answer. What I, what I'm, you mean, you're not going to accept it. I, I'm not. No, I probably won't because I already know what your intentions are. So if I'm accepting your friend request and and mm-hmm. you and I we have not had a conversation about we're just being front, we're just going to be friends or we've mm-hmm. had that conversation but you're still not accepting that so you still trying to come into my space then no I'm not going to okay. because I don't want anything to come in between me and my monogamous relationship. I've already told you that uh, I'm in a relationship. I've already told you my stance that, you know, we can't be friends because I know your intention. So right. why, would I, why would I accept your friend request? I'm not going to do that. So, so what about this? You know how you're scrolling down your time page, your timeline on Facebook, and you're scrolling, then you see this picture, you know, some girl in her bathing suit or whatever, some provocative picture or whatever, and you look down and you see that your person that you're dating have either commented on it or liked the picture. Is that a problem? It's just a picture. Well, I, I, I'm probably going to be, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to, um, I'm probably going to be, I may question that a little bit, you know, especially again, if I know that, um, there was some feelings there or that might be your ex boo or something like you know understand what I'm saying? I may question that. But the bottom line to the issue is if we're in this monogamous relationship and if there's trust, we shouldn't have a problem. But we should be a respecter of person and respect your mate and yourself by not even inviting or opening up the door to any question. But as like I said, it's the bottom line, if you trust me and I trust you I mean, you can like whatever it is that you want to like, and I'm good with it if I'm confident in my man and my relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's up to that person to decide if you're going to be respectful enough. No, I probably shouldn't do that because I have to use the word that I've been hating forever because of the perception, and I and I hate that word, but I've been what having word? to use it a lot lately. Perception, somebody's perception oh, of what okay. it is that, you know, you know, you know that's my pet peeve. Right. That's, right. Exactly. Huh. I think I think, and I've been in this situation recently, and I was like, I I, I kind of got an attitude because I was like, if you know these people are sending you friend requests, you know what they're sending you friend requests for, and I got the the response that I should trust them to be able to handle it, and I really didn't have anything to say. You know, I was kind of like caught with my mouth open, so I was like, okay, all right. And I, I mean, that's that's true. Uh, I mean, you have to be able to trust um, that, you know, we're we're committed to one another. You know, I mean, we're human, like we said at the table, you know, and our eyes are going to wander, and if we see somebody attractive, yeah, oh, my gosh, he's attractive, she's attractive, he looks good, he looks hot in that picture. But at the end of the day, no one is more attractive, remember I said, um, than your, your, your significant other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care. I mean, like I told you, I said my boot can look like he can be four foot eleven, five teeth missing. But if I'm all in love with him, nobody's going to be able to move me, no matter how you look. I may say you're attractive, but if I'm in love with you, I, I'm that's it. I mean, my, okay. my eyes so, are only for you. Right, right, right. You know what? Let me share this number for anybody who's listening who wants to call in and weigh on the conversation. It's six one nine. Nine two four nine seven six five. We had a discussion. I asked Paula on Saturday if you're in a relationship with someone, madly in love with someone, and is it wrong or does, is it a, a bad sign when you can be attracted to someone else? Not active on it, but can you when you can be attracted to someone else? Is that a problem? Is that you know a sign that you know maybe you're not all the way in your relationship? And Paula had gave the scenario that you know. I think you said that you can see someone and not see them, basically, when you're in a relationship, right? Right. That is correct. Right. Okay. And me, I know because I, of course, like most people, have my own insecurities. But um, I don't know. For me, 
I would like to say in my situation, I, I, I don't have a problem with saying it, but if there were the other person saying, speaking or commenting on someone else, I think I would have a problem with it, which is usually my, my, my stance on most things. I don't have a problem doing it, but I would have a problem with somebody doing it to me, which I know is not fair, but, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's a sign of I don't know if it's a sign that your relationship is in trouble if um if you find yourself with this I think that you have eyes. You're in a relationship, but you still have eyes. You can you can uh, appreciate someone's attractiveness even if you're in a relationship. Right. Now, you shouldn't act on it. You shouldn't slip them your phone number. That's not saying that you're you know, you're pursuing them, but you can look at somebody and say, Oh, they look good. I don't think that's a sign that, you know, I don't think you have to be. You don't I, think you have a tunnel vision just because you're in a relationship. Right. I, I mean, I have done that. I have done that. I was like, oh my god, this guy is fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, he may be fine. But when you get to get with him or get to know him, you know, he may be dumb as the day is long, or have yeah. <laughs> some, right. you know, some really bad qualities. Because everything that glitters is not gold. I, I, you know, I've always said that. But I, I think to your question is that um, we, if we're in a loving, um, committed relationship, and if you find yourself feeling attracted to somebody else, that means for me, that means that there's something missing in that relationship. You're not being fulfilled. They're not meeting all of your needs. Or it could be just something selfish, and, you know, people are greedy. They want what they want when they want it and still want what they have at home. So you have to decipher what it is. And then once you right. figure it out, then it's either something you want to work on or you need to tell your partner, hey, you're not meeting all my needs because I'm finding myself attracted to someone else. Mm-hmm. But because one thing not I learned just, when I watched, go ahead. Not to really interrupt you, but not just that I find myself attracted to somebody else, but I find myself attracted to somebody else and I'm, and I'm to the point where I want to act on it. I think that's where the problem comes. I don't really, I, I really can't, think that there is a problem with just being you have eyes I don't think there could be a problem with just being attracted to someone I think once you get to that point where you're ready to act on it you're ready to see you know other things then I think that becomes a problem when you should have that conversation right that's when you should have a conversation but you know we you know to segue into to that uh you know we always should have the conversation anyway I think mm-hmm. if we're we're up front and honest and have the conversation because that's one thing I learned from Coach and, and you know I, I'm adamant about that now you know look, we need to have the conversation to see where we stand if something changes you need to let me know how you want to do this um, to make sure that this is something that I want to do let's we're, we're adults let's have the conversation but I I've talked to a lot of people men and women and I find that a lot of them don't like to have the conversation because. They think they're going to end up getting a short out end of the stick, or you're going to end up missing out. Well, if I had a conversation with her and she and I tell her I just want to just have sex with her and she wants more, but I really want to get down with her, you know, I'm gonna right. I'm not gonna take that chance and miss out on that. Right. That's selfish. Right. That's emotional manipulation. Mm-hmm. Just, just so you could get what it is that you want to get. Exactly. Exactly. And. You mentioned talk, having that conversation. There are a lot of conversations and relationships that need to be had, especially when there really is no conversation that lets you know that you're in a relationship. So let's say you're, you know you're talking exactly. to someone you guys have had. You you know you've been talking to someone. You've been spending time. Perhaps you have even been intimate with that person, but you've had no discussion yeah. to actually you know make that a formal relationship. So how do you know when it's, something is exclusive? How do you know when a relationship? you know, crosses over from being a friendship into being a relationship. How do you gauge that? I mean, the only, the only way, and I, this is so funny because I had this conversation today. The only way that you can be in a relationship with someone um, with no words spoken because sometimes you'll have unspoken commitment because even though you, you're not having a conversation but there's things that are said and done that will make you say, okay, we have an un, unspoken commitment, but we never had a conversation. But I know how far to go with this certain person 
because I know that they're not going to like that. Or I know I need to reel it in a little bit because I haven't been spending that much time with him or her. And I don't want him or her to go anywhere. So without having a conversation, your actions are saying this. But then when people go on your actions and, and, and you're, you're feeling the vibe and you're like, oh, we really are in this relationship, then something goes awry or you question them about something, they'll be like, hold up. Now let's talk about the expectation. And we never had the conversation, mm-hmm. but your actions didn't tell me that. Mm-hmm. Our unspoken exactly. commitment didn't say that, and you, you're everybody's down with it. You know, and everybody's going in that movement. But let right. one thing happen, a question come up like, where you been? How come you didn't call me? Hold it. I didn't say that. We were, oh, we, we, exactly. we're on that train. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Exactly. But you're getting exactly. the cookies. You're getting the food. You're getting all, everything that's, that, that is part of a relationship. You're getting all of that. Yeah. Exactly. So it is important to have that conversation. I think a lot of people don't have that conversation just for that reason. Right. Yes, because they're uh, scared. Right. Now, I saw this quote. How do you relate to this? Which You, you just brought the word um, expectations. The quote says, manage your expectations. Otherwise, your heart is going to break on a daily basis. When I saw that, I was like, wow. That was such a wow. strong. That, I mean, that goes in every relationship. That goes at work. That goes with dealing with people in general. Um, it's something that I definitely need to work on as far as what I expect from certain people. If I don't, have, a lot of times I go into situations expecting more than what I get, and I get disappointed. So I just need to, yeah, I need to change those expectations really, really bad. Um, so that goes like the same thing, like you said, with the relationships. You need to have that conversation, and then when you're in a relationship or you're in a situation where it's not a relationship, you sh- your expectation shouldn't be that high until that's formal. And because when it's when it becomes exactly. a formal relationship, yeah, there are certain things that are expected and that you have to live up to, and there are certain responsibilities and a sense of accountability that you have. But you know, well, I see. I think that it's only fair. I mean, expectations to me is the devil. The uh, the older that I'm, I'm getting, I, I, I'm getting, I'm learning a lot. You know, expectations are the devil because we set our expectations high because mm-hmm. of the way people's actions are, and then we do get disappointed. Because yeah. I'm expecting you to do this because you've been doing it all this time, then boom, you stop, because that is our expectation, because we sil- silently set it. You know what I mean? We both have these expectations, even though we haven't had the conversation. But the thing of it is that I think as you get older, I mean, I, I – a man and a woman knows what love feel, real love feels like between a man and a woman. You have a relationship when you know you just you just knocking boots. You know that you just knocking boots. And, and I said I had told one of my friends, I said, the thing what happens, and I'm just going to, just like what men, what happens, how women get emotionally attached to them, is that you come over and this is just a sexual relationship, but mm-hmm. you end up sleeping with her. Spending the night. If you're just coming over just to just to just to scratch your itch or just to have sex, you need to have sex and you need to go home. Because when you lay and, and spoon with somebody, you know what I mean. You get up in the morning. Th- that's emotional connection. And if you're doing mm-hmm. that more than once, I'm seeing you two times a week. I, we just have this sexual thing, but I'm now I'm spending the night with you. And so- when I when you I think that he's like, you know what, that makes a lot of, you know, he was saying that makes a lot of sense. That's that's how you end up on a struggle bus with women, because mm-hmm. we're we're emotional creatures and we, you know, we get attached quickly, because now you're spending the night. We're just not having sex now. Now you're staying over. Now we're yeah. eating. Now yeah. we're watching TV. Now you understand. Now we're doing all these things. We're doing these things like what happens in a relationship. Exactly. Exactly. You're, in your mind, you're saying, of a relationship I, you know, I'm without the title. Huh? That's the benefits of a relationship without the title. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. if you let well, her know that that's what, I'm sorry. Go no, go ahead. I was if, there, you I was let her, if you let her, if you let her know, or in, uh, for a woman, for that matter, Hey, this yeah. is exactly what it is that I want this to look like. And if I gave you the impression that it's something else, I apologize. Yeah. Because the the thing of it is is that don't block somebody 
from from somebody else that will really love them because you're being selfish because you just want to hit it. Yeah. And then and then again, that's a mono, emotional manipulation. Exactly. Because you you want what you but there's somebody out there that's really going to love her the way she wants to be, and you're blocking that. And you know deep down in your heart that you don't want to be in a relationship. You need to tell her that. Or she needs to tell him that. Okay. All right, Paula, it's already 30 minutes. I'm going to have to oh say goodbye God. to you for tonight, but you have to come back because goodbye, we have some other topics that we talked about. And um, yeah, have to bring you back. Yeah, yeah. We're going to contact yeah. you to see when you are able to come back. And I would love for you to come in the studio and we can sit together and talk. That would be wonderful. Yes, you know we love that. I love you, my yeah, brother. Yeah, and we can bring some food. Okay, <laughs> food is always yes, good. We can bring some food. Yeah. Food is always good for the soul, baby. Good yeah, for the soul. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you, Boo, and, and have a good night. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, so our next guest coming up is Miss Karen Beth Ford. She's a master financial coach, public speaker, an entrepreneur who has coached people with a variety of money issues. Um, from just $500 in debt to over $800,000 in debt. Karen's mission is to inspire others to rid themselves of debt and build wealth. She encourages others to break the shackles of debt and gives valuable insight into building wealth to freedom that we all should have. So right after this break, Karen's here, and she's going to talk to us about money matters. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We'll be right back. What's up, y'all? This is John Legend for Life Beat. The music industry fights AIDS. Every hour of every day, two young people between the ages of 13 and 24 are infected with HIV. The AIDS crisis is not over, y'all. Be smart. Use protection. For more information, log on to www.lifebeat.org. Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit fda.gov slash otcpaininfo. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Welcome back. We're here with Money Matters coach, Miss Karen Beth Ford, and we're going to talk to her about eliminating debt. Welcome to the show, Karen. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Will? I am doing great. Excited to hear about all these ways that because we, I've just spent a lot of money, I'm planning a wedding, I'm spending a lot more money, money that I know I should be saving. So I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show um, to help me eliminate this debt and so that I can get on the road to building wealth and hopefully preparing oh, for awesome. retirement one day. I, I want to ask you, so how did you get into financial coaching? What, what, was, what, what made this niche so exciting for you or interesting to you? Well, I have a history as an RN. I actually am a nurse, but haven't utilized being a nurse for the past several years. But I've been told by people that I have always been good with numbers and money. And mm-hmm. several years ago, I went through some training to become a master financial coach, and I absolutely love it because I love helping people uh, get out of debt. You know, as a nurse, you help people get well, healthy exactly. in their bodies and in their minds. And I just help people get well in their finances. So it's exactly. just a different way of helping people. And uh, it, it's very rewarding because sometimes people feel so entrapped with debt or they can't see a way out. And mm-hmm. it, it's a great benefit to have somebody else come along and uh, help guide you, you know, into debt elimination and, and building wealth. Mm-hmm. And why do you think, this country especially, why do you think debt is such a prevalent issue? Oh, I think it's prevalent because I think that we have people um, today that are just so used to spending. 
I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes people become depressed, they spend. They get happy, they spend. Um, credit cards are so prevalent <laughs> and so easy to get today. Yeah. You know, when credit cards first came out, there was an extensive application. They checked your background. And I'm sure that people, you know, you still have to fill out an application and they check your background. But, you know, I coached a couple one time, and between the two of them, they had 86 credit cards. Wow. 86. And oh every God. one of those credit cards had a balance. So part of me is thinking, okay, they probably do check your background, but credit card companies are in it to make money. So if they give you a credit card, they're going to make money off of you. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I get three, anywhere between three and five credit card offers every single week. You Mm -hmm. know, we just shred them. So I just think today things are so much easier for people to get credit. And it's almost like the normal today. Whereas when our grandparents, you know, were young or in their 20s, credit was kind of seen as a taboo, you know, that isn't something you want to do. So I Mm. think the mindset has really changed when it comes to debt. Yeah. Uh, It's funny that you mentioned that because my, my older relatives, they don't even have credit cards and if they can't do it in cash, they don't want to do it. Or a lot of them still have where they're looking for layaway where they can just set aside money until they can afford to go pay for it in cash. So that's true. What you say about that. Right. with like a person who, like you said, has 86 credit cards between the two of them, is is there actual hope for them for a person? Oh, course, absolutely. Person? Oh, okay, absolutely. So it doesn't matter. My thought, here's my premise on it. If you got into debt, you can get out of debt. There's always hope. And I mm-hmm. have not coached anyone yet that I said, oh, man, your your situation is hopeless because there's always a way out. And if the person or the couple or whoever it is is willing to do what they need to do, I'm not saying that they have to eat soup beans every day for the next 10 <laughs> yeah. years. There, you know, but there may be some changes that right. they'll need to do and be willing to do. I coached uh, somebody one time that, uh, and I love specialty coffee. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy a really good cup of coffee going through a drive-thru on my way to work. But this Mm -hmm. particular person got that specialty coffee every single day. They were spending anywhere between $250 and $300 a month on that coffee on their way to work. And I'm thinking, man, I wonder if you could just do that once a week, say on a Mm -hmm. Friday, and put put the rest of that money, you know, towards debt or an investment. Because it's usually not, it's usually not the big purchases that get us. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's right. five bucks here, ten bucks there. You know, going to the ATM, you know, every day or every three mm-hmm. days, and then before you know it, you've taken out three hundred dollars from the ATM, and you do not know what you did with it. Impulses, those impulses. Right. That's so true. The shelves right next, you know, in a grocery store, those are called impulse shelves. You know, anytime you go into Walmart, Target, any grocery store, they always have the gum and the mint and the eyeglass repair kit. Yeah, things that I think I have to have. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And it's a couple of bucks here and a couple of bucks there, but they are betting on the American people because Mm -hmm. they know that we're impulsive. Then yeah. we're going to pick up those mints or that gum or that that magazine or, like mm-hmm. I said, that eyeglass repair kit. Exactly you know? right. They're called exactly. impulse shelves because they know that we're impulsive. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Karen, for the average per- person, walk us through it. How do we – what are the steps to getting out of debt? Oh, boy, that's a great question to ask. The steps to get out of debt, first and foremost – List all of your debts on a sheet of paper from lowest to highest. It doesn't matter what the interest rates are, but list your debts from lowest to highest. And at the top of the page, the lowest one, let me give you an example. Let's pretend that your lowest debt is a $100 balance on a credit card. And let's say your minimum payment is, say, $25 a month. Well, you can quickly get rid of that first debt. 
you can eliminate that. It's a hundred bucks. So pay that off. And I, I need to say this, once you pay it off, make sure you cancel that card or whatever mm. it is that you're paying off. Whatever that payment was on that card, which you no longer have $25 a month, don't assume that you can spend that $25 or pocket it. What you want to do now is you want to take that $25 payment, which you no longer have, and apply it to your next, your next payment. Let's say mm-hmm. the next payment is $500 and your monthly payment on it is 50 Well, you already got rid of the $25 payment. You no longer have it. So instead of paying $50 on that particular debt, now you're going to add that $25 to it. You're going to pay $75 every month until it's paid off. Once it's paid off, now you don't have $75 payments to make. Now you apply it to the next debt along with its regular payment. And Mm -hmm. I tell you what it does, it really puts a quick win under your belt because, you know, a lot of times we grow impatient and what Mm -hmm. we want to do is we don't necessarily want to tackle the highest interest rate. I know it sounds like a good idea, but if your highest interest rate is a balance of $5,000 and you don't pay it off in the next month, you're going to think, ah, you get bored with it, you don't see a win, you give up. Whereas if right. you tackle the smallest debts first and eliminate them, now you've got the ball rolling. Now you're thinking, okay, I can do this, and you're going to stick with it until all your debts are eliminated. So you should concentrate on one at a time. One at a time. You're still going to make your monthly payments on all of them. Right. But okay. you're going to eliminate them one at a time from smallest right. The largest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me ask you this. So if you have, if you're, you're, you're writing down your debt and then you have the credit cards, um, suppose this is something that's already in collections or you're trying to pay off an old debt that, you know, it's been charged off or whatever. Once you pay that, you, you still suggest going ahead and pay that balance off. Should you get anything from the company saying that you paid off? Because a lot of times those are, I understand they're sold to different companies and things like that. Absolutely. That's a great question, Will. Yes, once you pay something off, whatever it is, if it's a student loan, credit card, whatever it is, contact the company and verify that they did receive your payment, which paid off the balance, and Mm -hmm. ask them to send you a letter stating that that account, you want to close it, stating that that account is now closed and that the balance is zero. And then if it was a credit card, You want to cancel it and cut that up and keep those letters um, in a file so that if you ever had to dispute it, you have the proof that, yes, indeed, it was paid off. It was canceled. Hmm. Okay. So, like you were saying, you have to make sacrifices, and I'm I'm sure you have to be patient because it takes a while, depending on your balance, to pay these things off. But I like the fact that you were – concentrating on one because you're almost getting these small wins once you start to see that you're holding your debts and you're not, you know, you're not getting discouraged by this big amount of money. You're you're starting with the small amounts. And once you start seeing that you're making progress, it'll hopefully give you the motivation to continue doing it. I'm going to definitely do that. So once you clear this debt out, what are some things that people can do with the money to help prepare them for their future? Oh, that's a great question too, Will. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, I'm an avid investor. I am all for planning for retirement. You know, you don't want to become, you don't want to get retirement age and you don't have any money because right. a lot of people think that they're going to spend less money when they retire. Actually, um, there are statistics that you actually spend more money when you retire. Why? Because you're not working. What Mm -hmm. are you going to do with all the time that you have on your hands? You're going to want to go travel, see your grandchildren, see family, go do some fun things. So this isn't to scare anybody. It just causes us to plan better. So what can you do with the money with the debts that you no longer have? You can start investing in uh, presently if you're working and you have an opportunity to invest in a 401k Uh, through your workplace or a 403B. A lot of times a 403B is for teachers or 
hospital organizations, that kind of thing. Check with your workplace. See if they have some type of retirement plan that you can invest in. A lot of times they will withdraw that money from your check before you even get paid, and, and you know that will be placed in that retirement plan. You especially want to do this if they have a company match. And so a lot of times companies, corporations will say, if you invest in the retirement plan, we'll match you up to 3% or 4%. Well, that's Mm -hmm. free money. So whatever it is they're going to match you, at least do that amount. If you don't have a retirement plan available through your workplace, there are lots of agencies out there that can set up a retirement plan for you. Fidelity, Edward Jones, Aflac, there's all different kinds out there, and you just have to check into them and sit down with them. Uh, You could invest into an IRA, a Roth IRA. They could set that up. They can do it, you know, an ACH deposit where where they will take it out of your account each and every month to invest it for you. You can do that. Uh, I am an avid house flipper. I buy and sell properties. Um, I also flip. So those are some other things that can be done with money. And if you like stocks, there are lots of companies out there where the stocks are going rather well. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's lots of different ways to invest. But I also have the mindset uh, what what Grandma always said: You don't put all your eggs in one basket, in one basket <laughs> because if exactly. you drop the basket, all the eggs bust. So exactly. You want to spread it around, diversify. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is you're going to invest in, spread it around. Exactly. Don't put it all in one particular place. So let me ask you another question. Then, a lot of people that I know are independent contractors, and they don't really have. Um, well, of course, they don't have a 401k. Some of them have an IRA set up. What do you suggest is the time frame? If, if you're planning for retirement, let's say 65, well, I don't really know a lot of 65-year-olds that are, are retiring. Let's say 70, if you're preparing okay. for 70. What is a good age that you should start putting some some money away? How what, What's the time frame that you need if you want to retire at age 70? Around what age should you really look into getting serious on putting some money away? Well, the younger you are, the better. I mean, if you're at 18 years old and you want to start investing in your retirement, I say go for it. But it's never too late. You know, I've talked with some people that are 50 years old and mm-hmm. they haven't put any money away in for retirement. And I just, I give them hope. Look, it's not too late. Yeah, it would have been better had you started at 20, but mm-hmm. you can start now. And the goal is is you want to invest 15%. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of money. So if you're presently putting in 3%, 4% of your income, you can increase that incrementally. What do I mean by that? Maybe you're investing 4% of your income into a retirement plan. Well, in a month, go up to 5%. And then it's just a little bit by little bit. You're not going to right. miss it. And then in a couple of months, go up to 6% and so on and so forth and work your way up to where you're investing 15%. Hey, I tell you what, Will, um, some people think they don't have money uh, to invest in retirement. And I just thought of something. I coached somebody that had a $700 a month truck payment Mm. and they lived in a mobile home, which there's nothing against anything about a mobile home. But their truck payment was astronomical compared to where they were living. And I said, you know, according to your income, you know, you didn't have to buy a $50,000 truck, you know, sell that thing. Obviously, that's my suggestion. They choose to do it or not. But Mm -hmm. go get a a truck, but it doesn't have to be brand new. Drive a used car. Most millionaires do not drive brand new vehicles. Exactly. That's how they become millionaires. They they will purchase a car used two or three years old and let somebody else take that depreciation. And you're just wanting to drive it to, you know, not to impress anybody, but to get to and from work. 
And mm-hmm. whatever payment you were going to have, maybe you only have a couple hundred dollar payment or maybe you paid cash for that car or vehicle that's going to get you to and from work. But that amount of money every month towards a vehicle payment, hey, take that money and start investing in it and just get you a vehicle that's going to get you to and from work and get you around town. Don't right. spend too much money on a vehicle because a vehicle is going to depreciate, you mm-hmm. know. I don't have to impress anybody. I have a little Toyota Corolla. I'm not out to impress anybody because I'd rather have money in the bank. Exactly. You know? That's where it matters, right? That's right. You're right. <laughs> You're right. You're right. So as far as people who want to get in a better financial situation, people who want to perhaps budget, that's something that I'm not that good. I'm not good. I'm good at making budgets. I'm not good at sticking to them. So people who want okay. to get on a budget, who want to find areas, where they can where they can save on what what is your advice or your tips on that well my suggestion is to make a budget each and every month why because each and every month is going to be different and it's going to take you about three to four months to work out the kinks meaning you might create that budget and a budget only takes five minutes people this isn't a a weekend financial summit you know to create a budget we're talking five minutes you know what you're houses, your utilities, car payment, gas, food, all of that. Create that budget. And then next month you do the same thing for that month. But you, the key is to keep looking at it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't create the, the budget and then put it in a drawer. You know, you create that budget thinking I need to follow it this month. If I go to the mall uh, or if I go to Bass Pro Shop and I want something new or if I go to the mall and I see a new pair of shoes I want – Is that in my budget? Did I budget for that? Because that money has to come out from somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I recommend people do what I call a zero-based budget. And what I mean by that is you don't spend everything down to zero. You assign every dollar where you want it to go. Let's say your income is $5,000 a month and your household expenses, food, gas, Eating out, all of that is, say, $4,000. I'm just using round numbers here. That means you have $1,000 left, right? 5000 minus 4000 is 1000 What are you going to do with that $1,000? You have to make a plan for it because if you don't make a plan for it, it's going to leave you, and you're not going to know what happened to it. You're going to have money that you spent out of your wallet, and you're – I can't tell you how many times people have done this. They've had 50 bucks in their wallet or whatever – And at the end of the day, they're like, what happened to that money that I had? Mm -hmm. They can't Mm -hmm. remember what happened to it. Another great area to consider is food. I coached a couple with a three-year-old, and they were spending $1,500 a month on food between grocery shopping, um, restaurants, and eating at the cafeteria at work. They did not do meal planning, so they ended up going to the grocery store every two or three days, and that will actually, that'll really cost you. They ate in the cafeteria at work every day, and they ate out for dinner two or three times a week. Well, that can be pretty expensive. If you want to spend $1,500 a month on food, okay, but you don't have to. So they decided they were going to eat out once or twice a month. They would eat at the cafeteria at work every Friday and brown bags of rest and they started meal planning. So they only ended up going to the grocery store once a week. They cut their food expense from $1,500 a month down to $500 a month. So now that other thousand dollars can be invested. Invested, right. Powerful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And I, I think I know the answer to this next question. What's the number one reason people divorce? Money fights. Uh, It's sad to say it's money fights. Yep. And opposites attract. So don't, you know, don't feel like you're going to choke your spouse. (laughs) If they're Mm -hmm. a spender and you're a saver or Mm -hmm. you're a spender and they're a saver, I look at it like this. A spender needs a saver in their life. So when they grow old, you know, they're not having to eat beans and rice every day for the rest of their life. And a saver needs a spender in their life so that they have a life. 
because neither one is going to be real fun. I mean, if you spend everything you make, when you hit retirement, you're not going to have a lot of fun if you don't have any money. And right. if you save every penny now, you know, you can actually have some fun by spending some of it. It's yeah. not about depriving ourselves of everything, but making the necessary sacrifices now so that we don't have to go into debt and that we can actually, you know, spend cash on things that we want. Right. Making, basically making better decisions with your money. That's right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, how can people follow you? How can people get in contact with you? And if they want to work with you, can you share that information? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I've got three books on Amazon. Uh, Money Matters, Money Nuggets, 31 Days to a Greater Understanding of Money. That's a long title. Or they can (laughs) visit my website at KarenFord.org. KarenFord.org. Awesome. Well, you you gave me personally some very good information. I'm sure you shared a lot with our listeners. I want to take the time to thank you for coming on the show, and hopefully we can bring you back on again. That would be enjoyable. Thank you so much, Will, for the opportunity. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Have a good evening. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Awesome. So we now know what to do with our money. That's good. I enjoyed that. Um, money, actually, for me, I used to be a, I used to be a, a impulsive spender. I really did, because I used to do, like she said, um, it was all for show, to show people things that I had or basically did not have, um, but wanted to fake the funk. Um, but as I've gotten older, I really appreciate it to, um, I, re- I really appreciate it having money in the account. Um, my ex used to always says, Will loves to see his money in his account. So a lot of times when I would tell people that I don't have money, doesn't necessarily mean that I don't have money. It just means that um, I don't have money to do what you want me to do. Um, I enjoy seeing my money in my account, like most people. So um, I want to thank Ms. Karen Beth Ford for coming on and sharing money about um, sharing her information about money matters. It was really important. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to close up with some announcements for next week. We'll be right back. You've been listening to. Let's face it, with Will Strayhorn and friends, we'll be right back. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, It's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. You're now listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. Now back to the show. Well, welcome back to the show. Thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank my guest, Ms. Paula B., for coming in and talking to me during the chat. We want to thank Ms. Karen Beth Ford for her information on um, what to do with our money. I appreciate that. We also want to um, ask you guys to tune in next week. We have um, Mr. Mike. I cannot pronounce his last name. Mike is going to come and talk to us about some, you know, sexual issues and things I like to talk about. So make sure you tune in next week. Until then, be blessed.
Thanks for tuning in to tonight's show. I hope you get a chance during the week to visit our site at livewithwill.com for up-to-date show information, including exclusive opportunities and exciting upcoming interviews. Be sure to tune in next week, same place, same time, for another informative show of real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. 